Paul Butler Lennox. Hello. Absolute charlatan. I am never, ever going to ride your bicycle again. It's a death trap. Well, I, fixies are not for everybody. <laughs> what the hell? I, Le- what quite literally, story? they fixie people's wagons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I was doing you a favour. Left it up at the house. I said, I'd drop it down. Uh, nearly killed myself. Why do the why do the pedals not stop? They just keep going. How are you supposed to? It's anyway. Look, it, it, it's not great for the knees, but it's it's grand if you're on like a flat terrain. So it's yeah, right, yeah, flat terrain that kind of worked. Yeah, when you actually got speed, it was like yeah, that was kind so of. So you're complaining that you can't coast along. You need to get yourself a, like an angel cruiser. Yeah, that's what you need. Yeah, not, yeah. not a not a real man's bike. It's a heinous contraption. Anyway, it's awful. This is a puddle cast, not a pedal cast. Hey, <laughs> taxi! Uh, there's a taxi outside for you, taking you back to. Uh, Speaking Beaumont. of podcasts, actually, I came across one that I think you might like. Um, Alan Alda. Oh, wonderful! Actor. Alan Alda. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got a really nice podcast. Um, it's called Clear and Vivid with Alan Alda. <laughs> uh, apparently, he's into like. He writes books about like communication, and he owns like a communications company. And uh, he just interviews different people, and uh, it's really good. I I think you might like it. I don't work for Alan Alda. Yeah, yeah. Bill Bill Heather does uh, uh, from SNL. He does a great Alan Alda. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's great. You should check it out. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? How's it going? We're all good. F and I rap chat again for episode twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah, yeah. We got a good reaction for Lee Cronin's one uh, last week. Yeah. Um, great filmmaker. Uh, yeah. So his. We hopefully we'll have a bit of news in the next few months about the release of his film A Hole in the Ground, which sounds great. Mm-hmm. So who have we got today, Paul? Uh, we have got a wonderful producer called Jessie Fisk. Um, she is making some uh, big waves. Uh, she has a. Production company called Feline Films, uh, with her Italian part- partner uh, Natalie Biancheri. I hope I'm getting that right. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a really fascinating slate of films. Um, they just won a big pitching award in Sofia recently uh, for their project Wolf, which sounds absolutely brilliant. So you'll hear all about that in the podcast. Um, yeah, definitely wants to watch. Uh, so I, yeah, we might try and get Natalie on at some stage. She's got a lot of other projects. Okay, uh, really amazing filmmaker. Um, before we get to the podcast, uh, mm-hmm. we decided to try something uh, for rap chat uh, to get a little bit of feedback from our listeners. Um, so we did a survey. So on Survey Monkey, just it's like eight or nine very simple questions. Um, you can. Answer as many of them as you like. Uh, mo- some of them are multiple choice, and some of them give them a chance to uh, actually write your feedback. You know, yeah, so be it, gentle. It's a, it's a not so secret shopper. So uh, you know, if you have any feedback or yeah, it, it, it's anonymous anyway, so we won't be kind of going. You know, Phil from Dunleary said, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah, one of the Pauls isn't as funny as he yeah. thinks he is. This was a cha- it's a chance for you to say, <laughs> tell us how you engage with the podcast, how you listen to it, and then if you want to give us some actual written feedback on the types of podcasts you'd like to hear more of, and that kind yeah, of yeah, and equally, you know, kind of what direction you'd like to see us go in, who you'd like to have on, um, yeah, you know, that type of carry on. Yeah, so we'll be posting that on all our social media and all that. So um, please, if you get a chance, uh, just take a few minutes, and it would be a Big help to us. Mm, absolutely. So, without further ado, we give you Jesse Fisk.
thank you very much for coming in, Jesse Fisk. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, so just to start off with kind of a general question about producing and there's so many types of different producers and if you agree with that, what, what would you see as the different types of producers and what kind of producer would you see yourself as? Oh my God, that's a question <laughs> I'd like to answer in like 10 years time. I think it's one of those, you know, it's one of those questions, it's especially when you're speaking to people outside the industry, it's like, what does a producer do? And I kind of go, you know, I'll, I'll tell you when I figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's so many different things. Obviously, you've got like your, your financing producers who are very much focused on uh, raising the, the money to make the film. You've got your creative producers who are really involved in the creative process. Um, you know, so you, sometimes you'll have like a development producer who'll be hired either within a company or, or separately to just run through the creative development of a, of a project. And um, then you've kind of, I guess, got a combination of everything. I guess the producer, which I feel fits more into sort of the... Um, I don't think we're allowed to say the word art house anymore. It's a <laughs> dirty word now. Yeah. But into that kind of indie cinema space where you kind of have to do everything because, yeah. first of all, especially when you're when you're kind of newer, you're working with newer talent, so that collaboration is really, really important to kind of be able to come, to for somebody to give you their, their baby mm-hmm. and for you to say to them, yeah, yeah, we'll get this done. Mm-hmm. So you're both bringing it to where you feel it needs to be from a creative point of view, but also how you feel it's going to fit on a marketplace and how you're going to be able to place it with different financiers and partners and and where to place it with them, you know? Like, is it going to be something that the film board, or sorry, Screen Ireland is... um, is going to back or is it going to be something that you kind of look outside that sphere? Mm. Like even is it is it Arts Council or something that's very, very different? So I think for me anyway, I'm definitely a combination of the two and part of that is just, you know, you're learning about it all the time. So while I have to go and like be like, okay, this project, we need to raise finance for this project. How do we do that? You're, I'm at a stage where, you know, you try so many different things and see what actually works because yeah. it's, it's a teething process. Um, and I'm very lucky, actually, the, the talent that I've been working with at the moment in Feline have been very... Um, the collaboration, in a way, is almost working both ways. There's never, I think, that the kind of the most daunting feeling as a producer is somebody lands their project in front of you, and you're like, "I want to make this for three million quid. Can you can you find that for me?" Whereas, yeah. whereas now, kind of people I'm working with have been very like, "Oh, um, what what do you think about pitching at this lab or this festival?" It's like, "Yeah, great. That's a really good idea. Let's go do that together." And it's right. part of the like with Natalie, who's my business partner. We pitched Wolf, our uh, feature we're hoping to shoot next year. In, at a number of different festivals yeah. and actually one of them resulted in prize money towards the production of the film and that was absolutely a collaboration a yeah. team effort yeah. so yeah I think to answer your question I'm definitely a combination of the two there are times where you just want to be able to like forget about the finance and the closing yeah. and the excel sheets and the movie magic and just completely focus on what you feel is also your baby yeah but uh, I think yeah to, to not go on too much of a tangent, I think it, it totally depends on who you're working with because yeah. a lot of people don't want, you know, they want somebody to just go and to be a very kind of, I guess, 
business-like producer, you know? Yeah. And, and I do consider myself, like, if somebody, you know, if somebody say, what do you do? Well, I'm a filmmaker. I'm like, oh, you're a director. Like, no, actually, I'm a producer. But to me, that's still yeah. making a film. Yeah, so absolutely. I don't understand why it's not, you know, it's so yeah. different. So, yeah, people I'm working with at the moment, it's very much a collaboration that, yes, I take responsibility to, to, to get the finance together, yeah. but anything we can do together to yeah. do that. And similarly, any nothing goes out without two of us or three of us or whatever is sitting down and, and reading through material and are we sure we're happy with this and where is this going to go and, yeah. you know, let's have a plan. So very transparent on the producing side and very transparent on the creative side and then that way kind of the collaboration sort of fits in. Great. And does that inform the projects that you're looking for? Are you uh, constantly looking for projects or are you at a stage where you're kind of, okay, I have a slate, I'm full or what, what kind of stage would you be at? It's interesting because um, when we started with Feline, uh, we kind of, which was only the beginning of this year, so it's very, very new. It was amazing how quickly we sort of built up uh, a small slate of projects. Yeah. And and one thing we had said from the very beginning um, is that this is the beauty of, of having a company with the director as well. They're very kind of aware of these things. They can show you another side of working with a production company that makes you go, oh yeah, okay, that's yeah, fair okay. enough. Right. Um, is you don't, I, I don't want to be the kind of producer that has maybe four or five projects on their slate that's kind of rotting away yeah. that that because there's so much happening one kind of overtakes the other one and it just pushes you know something will always just get ahead quicker at the same time you have too little on your slate and um you find yourself going well you know if all of these things go ahead great but if none of them go ahead you know yeah. where where is the company going to be in a yeah. year's time so at the moment we're pretty chocker, um, but that's being very optimistic and saying kind of, you know, the things that we have in active development or yeah. going into production are a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, but we're always interested in meeting new talent and kind of new material. And if something stands out as being particularly special, you kind of go, oh, yeah, well, like, we'll make that work because yeah. that definitely feels like a right fit for us. Yeah. But that is the, the, the tricky thing. It's um, somebody comes to you to be like, this project's nearly financed. We just need you to serve as a tax credit. You're kind of going, oh, my okay. God, that would be so great. But I have four other projects yeah. next year. Right. So it's just making the kind of the balance work that yeah. way, I think. Okay. Uh, we might just jump back then to kind of your how you first fell in love with film. And was, was production always something you were interested in? Or how did that come about? So I actually uh, specialised in screenwriting and production design okay. um, in my last year in college. And I was kind of, I was certain that writing was a way I wanted to go. Yeah. Um, and in a way I fell into producing right. because I think people see a certain sort of initiative in a person and yeah. they have a trust for that person to sort of take yeah. on their project and to get it done. Yeah. Um, and it was always one of those things I've said, yeah, no, I could, you know, I could, I could work in production yeah. For, yeah. For, for a while anyway. Yeah. It seemed like one of those, you know, when, you're, when you've no clue how the industry works, you're like, oh, that's kind of, you know, yeah. maybe admin stuff to keep me going mm. while I write the world's best script or whatever. And then very quickly I graduated and started working in Blinder Films um, with Katie Holly and her team. And, and what was went, the role there? I was a... What was the role? It was I was a production and research assistant. Okay. So I was working on a documentary um, about the history and treatment of mental health in Ireland for TG Cahar, and then I also was working on the Savage Eye and Irish Pictorial Weekly and a couple of other um, bits and pieces. Okay. 
but I kind of saw how I guess that world operated and the more I kind of stepped into it it was like no actually I I think I could be really good at this this is actually something I want to do and then I set myself all these like personally ridiculous targets like oh in the next few years I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that it's completely absurd but that was definitely from the time I started working in production it just felt like a natural fit like it you know my personality is like I'm able to do this yeah I'm somewhat emotionally equipped to do it because it's a very stressful um, situation and I think that someday I could be really good at it. So that kind of drove me to continue to work in production and, you know, I did the... In fairness, everything moved quite quickly. I was quite lucky, but I did the, you know, the coordinator um, Mm. on smaller things Mm. and then production manager and then that kind of just snowballed and work on lots of little things and doing bigger roles on smaller projects. And then eventually someone goes, oh, actually, you're... Yeah, you're okay. This yeah, here's yeah. this really big opportunity, and you go okay. Yeah, terrified, but you know. And had you produced like the film, the final year film in college, or we? I how did that had. work? Actually, good change. We both went to oh GYT. We did. Yeah. Big shout out to Celine Curtin. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember what. Hmm. The final year project. It actually, um, a good friend of mine, Drew Maitland, he'll kill me for even mentioning it but we were dead set on making this film that was too ambitious for the college to do as a as a final project so yeah. us being you know the ambitious young people that we were, were like we're gonna make it anyway and the college gave us all the equipment and we shot this film around Galway and it was way too ambitious for for what we had to do but yeah. it was very exciting and yeah. I think that our end of year sort of few months and our year as you know like it's so small you yeah. end up being so close yeah, yeah. so we just kind of there was just all this camaraderie around us making this amazing yeah. film that was going to change the world yeah. and to be fair I think it gave everybody a really interesting kind of look at how a film set would work and yeah. how we kind of had to find our own feet with that but then from there kind of that's I guess I went, yeah, that was the moment I was like, yeah, okay, well, everybody seems to accept me in this producer role and it yeah. fits quite well. Right. So, um, and in terms of the actual college projects, gosh, I'm trying to remember what the the final year ones were. I know it's, I did, actually, yes, I produced two of them. Okay, and did they make, was it like five or six projects, something like that? Yeah, yeah like yeah. there was a certain amount of docs and a certain amount yeah, of yeah, um, yeah. fiction. Okay, and th- so the year working in Blinder, you know, working in a busy production house, what were the things that you picked up on that you learned there that maybe surprised you or that kind of thing? Um, I learned how to use Excel in a whole <laughs> different way. <laughs> and I learned that the your diary has to be a page per day when you work in Blinder because right. it's so busy, you have yeah. so much to do. Yeah, yeah. But I picked up on so many different things because um, the great thing about Blinder, definitely at that time, uh, they had, uh, I knew since then, this is five years ago, but since yeah. then, um, they're doing these huge feature films mm. now, which is mm. amazing. At the time, there was a lot of television happening. Um, you had this this documentary series, you had satirical comedy, you had yeah. uh, development on feature films, like very late stage development. So you kind of had all of this um, coordination going on at the same time. So you learn that you, you couldn't forget one single thing. And yeah. everyone in there, there was um, an amazing assistant producer, uh, Emmeline Dowling, who, who trained me basically... How she also ex GMIT here. Okay. Yes, uh, <laughs> but she she trained me in terms of uh, archive research and licensing and 
it was something that definitely to this day you kind of go I'm so happy I have that experience because I now know yeah. from the very beginning if somebody yeah. hands me a treatment or a script what that process will be and it's only you know it's a small part of a bigger picture yeah. but once you're very confident in doing kind of smaller things like that and yeah. you know the day-to-day stuff like speaking to people on the phone and mm. writing emails and things you don't yeah. even think about being particularly important because Blinder had you know was, was known as one of the really great production companies and, and still is, mm. you you feel you're representing that and this is kind of, you're going, no, I'm going to do this right. I'm not going to, you know, yeah. let anybody down. Yeah. But uh, no, it was a really, really great experience and um, it was very much kind of gave me a foundation and blueprint and how to organise myself, how to manage kind of smaller crews and yeah. people and research and actually archive research as well which really really stood to me got me a lot of jobs after that okay cool yeah I had a similar experience around the same time I ended up working in Element Pictures for like six months same kind of production assistant kind of role Mm. Uh, but you do everything you do research you Mm. do a bit of development and it was cool that they had you know they had Lighthouse and stuff like that so you're seeing and one of the cool things was like it was the first time really seeing the inside of a production house where things are getting made and yeah. you're, you know you're talking to kind of big shot directors and stuff like yeah. that and, and I don't know if you had the same thing kind of coming out did you feel kind of okay I've been part of the you know the cold face of mm. stuff actually getting made so was that like did you feel confident coming out of there? I did yeah I felt um, very much like I knew I wanted to pursue kind of I kind of said I wanted to be at that point in a company at some stage, like producing films. One of my big things is like, I really want to go to markets and I want to go to festivals and pitch things and be part of that really, really early process. Uh, Yeah. And um, I guess the other part of that was I kind of came out of there going, I'm very confident in the certain skills that I uh, gained, which was like coordination and stuff. So I went on to do a good bit of kind of production coordination work afterwards. So I would call it definitely the beginning of the fundamental uh, stage of of, of learning producing. Okay, yeah. And so was that the next couple of years was doing kind of gigging? Yeah, yeah. I freelanced. um, I I did research on some ads and coordinating short films. Um, I did a bit of ADing as well because it was always something to... Actually, it was a great networking tool, being an AD. Like, if you're standing outside a door, pissing of rain <laughs> yeah. for, you know, uh, 11 hours a day, eventually you'll meet somebody that yeah. will go, oh, this is what you want to do. So uh, yeah, um, yeah. that. I, so I went away for a couple of months. I just went traveling for, for a couple of months in the yeah. States. Um, and I came back and... I was kind of like really ready. I actually came back from the trip early because I felt like I was very distant from the whole thing. I was very kind of obsessed with getting this career going, you know, time is slipping away from me, <laughs> which I look back at and think is the most hilarious yeah, thing in yeah. the world now because <laughs> now like my life doesn't work in years. It works in feature films yeah, and yeah. it just goes like like that. So um, I came back and I was like, okay, how am I going to get my foot back in the door? Because it is true that very quickly you, you slip out of kind of touch of what's going on because the industry moves so quickly. Um, so I AD'd on a feature film, I was a trainee AD, and um, I also was submitting a short film for funding, and uh, I think it was Kildare County Council, um, 
short film fund and I had to get the time off uh, work to to go and do this interview and as anyone who does that kind of work knows it's really really tricky to turn around to somebody and say I actually need three hours off like unless it's life or death so um, everyone was really really nice about it and I got talking to the producer of the film when I was working he was very hands-on and he was kind of he'd he'd be out helping us lock off traffic in in the pouring rain and that producer is Connor Barry from Savage oh yeah so I said to him like look I really want to be a producer and I have this short film and I've never done one of these interviews before and what way does it work and he actually would come over to me in between takes and be whispering advice and be like, okay, so look, you have to look at things this way. Because at the time, I'm actually not sure if he still does it. He ran, well, obviously not because sadly um, Filmbase isn't there anymore, but he ran, uh, he taught people how to basically pitch their short film, which is, I believe, where he met John Kevill, his business partner. But I went on to, into this interview, um, I was late because I was coming from set. It was all very, very chaotic. And um, we went in and sitting on the panel was John Cavill, Connor's producing partner. And they were like, what film are you working on? I told them and John was like, "Uh, yeah, I'm actually a producer on that. I was like, "Um, (laughs) they totally know where I am, I swear. And we didn't get the funding. But a couple of months later, I was working on, I was doing a television series. And John rang me and was like, look, I... Might not remember me. Met a few months ago at this interview. Look, I thought you did a very good interview, and um, I have this short film that I'm doing. Uh, I have another feature film happening, um, kind of in in a similar time scale or very quickly afterwards. So I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to focus on it as much as I'd like to. Will you come and give me a hand? You know. So I came and, and PM'd with him, but I mean, I it was very much he that job was the. It tested me in every way. It okay. showed me like it was a whole new level. It was like he had given me this responsibility and right. that was the starting point for me that everything else kind of snowballed after that in my career. And it was actually, it was Mark Noonan's short film. Um, uh, they shoot people that I PM'd and I'm now in development on a project with Mark Noonan. So it's just yeah. it's very funny how these things come about. Yeah. And to this day, John Kev was a person I pick up the phone to when... I haven't a clue what I'm doing Great. or I'm yeah, pretending yeah. I know what I'm doing and I yeah. need him to tell me how to fix my mistakes, yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah, so yeah. it's it's really interesting. Like, I think that the if if you want to work in, say, I, I, it's not the same for writing and directing, but definitely for producing, I think being in the industry in any way, shape or form is always a really good yeah. idea because you just don't know. Yeah. There's few, there are... It that sounds bad, but there's there's not that many people that will go above and beyond like the guys did for me in in Savage. It was right. purely a selfless kind of like yeah. they could have gotten somebody far more experienced to do that kind of job. Okay. But he was like, look, you kind of there's something about they saw you. Something yeah, in you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it worked out so so well. And then from there, um, he John recommended me for another short in a similar kind of capacity. Um, with a producer called uh, Farah Bishwesha, who's okay. um, she's Irish living in London. So again, she needed kind of some Someone more. Back here. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And we've also, you know, become friends since then. And, and that was that was a good few years ago. Now, since then, I've gone to do my first feature and a couple of documentaries, and you know, so yeah. it all happened from that point. 
And has, yeah, has it sounds like you've had a very busy couple of years. Have there been gaps in between or have you just kept um, going? From the time I did Mark's short, that kind of space was seemed so busy. Right. So I finished that, I went back on the television series, um, which was a blinder television series. And they, again, were like, no, this is a really good opportunity. We'll replace you for however many weeks okay. and you can come back to us and your job's still here. That's so really cool. yeah, I yeah. was really lucky and the people yeah. were so supportive of me and, and, and kind of understood what I needed. And I don't, like, there's a huge amount of luck involved in these kind of things because not everybody, I mean, I would say everyone needs to ask. Don't be, don't give up an opportunity because you're too afraid to say, yeah. listen, I need this or I need that. Because at the end of the day, that's how we all start out. We all need to get yeah. somewhere. But yeah. um, then I went, I, d- I did like some kind of, it was like a production manager role within a company called Tile Media with um, Dave and Colin Farrell. And they uh, just finished a film called A Terrible Beauty. And I was kind of actually doing a bit of distribution with them and stuff. Okay. It was really nice, actually. It was one of the most... Lovely, relaxing jobs yeah. I've had. They're the really, film is really made, and you're just trying yeah, to get it out there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we did kind of um, we did podcasts, and it was just really, it was just really relaxing. It was, it was. Um, I was able to put kind of certain skills to it without it being too pressing. And again, when I, this other short film came up, they were like, "Yeah, sure, no problem." Yeah. And actually, uh, I then, while I was on that short film, had to go to an interview for an assistant producer role in a company called Rose Entertainment and found out very quickly afterwards that I had got that position. And I guess that's when everything sort of changed, um, really amped up. It's okay. like that kind of easy, oh, great, you know, do this short and then we'll, you know, yeah, go back yeah. to this lovely um, sort of distribution job. And <laughs> it, um, it, was a, it was really fantastic because I started there in this September and we shot Song of Granite in the May. Okay. So... And what stage was it at? It when was you at, they had begun the financing process. So I wasn't as involved in the financing. Um, they knew that the film board hadn't quantified an offer at that stage, but uh, they were already kind of had a co production structure in place with uh, Quebec. And they had, like, they had, at that point, I think Pat was still planning on shooting on film and they were doing camera tests and this kind of thing. So I think it was about. Two months in, when it was then November, when Keith Potter, um, who was at the Irish Film Board, kind of said, "We're in. This is yeah. the amount." Okay. And I said, "Okay, this is happening in May." And then I became so involved in the whole process that my position went from assistant to producer um, to producer on the film as well. So okay. that was it. Was it was a baptism of fire? Wow. It definitely yeah, was. Yeah, it yeah. was like. You go from doing sort of short films and stuff that you learn so much on, like invaluable experience. But until you're out there on the ground on a feature film where you're responsible for your crew, you're responsible for the, you know, the money, you're constant. It was it was an incredible experience, but it was definitely a challenging one. Yeah, it really, really was. Um, Congrats. I I love the film. I got it. You you can watch it on Volta. So anyone at home. how would you, if you could give like kind of a, just a quick pitch on what it is for anyone who hasn't seen it. So Song of Granite is a black and white Irish language feature film about a Shano singer called Joe Heaney. And it's his journey from a very rural part of Connemara, where he grew up in the 1920s, to him trying to um, find his way in the music scene in the States. And personally, I describe it as a love story between uh, a man and his 
hometown or his home place. Um, but Pat Collins is an amazingly talented uh, auteur. He's yeah. really phenomenal and it's, I think, an experience, a cinematic experience that a lot of people may not have seen before, which yeah. is, I think, why the film did so well critically. Right, yeah, yeah. And what were the big challenges of producing that? Um... Well, we won't like bore everybody with yeah. budget challenges because yeah, yeah. everybody, you know, no matter how much money you have, it's it's never going to be enough. But um, we were shooting how many different eras and how many different continents. So first of all, you've got a co-production structure that's always very tricky for uh, crew members. It can be really, really trying because you're sharing your role with somebody else on the other side of the world who you've never met and you're trying to make that work. Yeah. Um, I think shooting in the West while it was amazing and, and actually we we shot on an island with no plumbing or electricity. Wow. Yeah, and it was only for three days of the shoot, but it, it was all the way through prep and even production. It was like the big kind of, I guess, the the... the uh, peak of the shoot that everybody was both excited and terrified yeah, for. Yeah. So we have like, uh, I just I got a phone call from the location scout um, to say <laughs> you're going to kill me. Uh, what did you do? He was like, okay, so I brought the lads out and we'd seen all these different places, but there was just one, and and, and I knew Pat wasn't that happy with everything I'd shown him, and and I just really wanted to show him this one location, which was these. <laughs> Um, five houses, five very small houses on this uh, island that was owned by three different families. Yeah. And I was like, okay, okay. And he was like, it hasn't been occupied since 1970s. I was like, as in, he's like, yep, yeah, it's just been abandoned since then. Like there, you know, there's access, but you have to go in a crook. And, right. and I was like, yeah, so maybe don't show it to them. He's like, no, no, we, we've seen it. <laughs> he loves it. <laughs> yeah. And I think Pat's, not necessarily argument because... I don't think it, it ever came down to that, but he really kind of um, pushed the, um, you know, he's like, guys, I can shoot any way I want and there are no telephone yeah, lines yeah, there. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. this is really authentic. And, you yeah. know, uh, Pat's documentary background is that we always knew that that's kind of the way that mm. he would want to make this as true um, to life as possible. So, okay, so we went we went twice. Um, we went an initial scout because something like this we had to suss out. It was yeah. like, uh, so we went to the West and it was in typical West of Ireland fashion, pissing down with rain. <laughs> And the whole island, if you've seen the film, you'll know it's kind of like a rock surface. Yeah. And I, I spent the whole time on my ass. Like, it was just like, I just slipped and just basically, by the end of it, I was just like scooting around the place yeah. on my arse because if I stood up, I was just going to fall down again. I was going, how are we going to be able to get <laughs> like 30 people out here? Yeah. She's like, someone's going to die. And this is just way too stressful. And then... As, as as directors do, they, they kind of go, well, look at it this way. And you kind of go, okay, they really, really want this. Okay. So we went out again with on, on, on the tech and um, it, again, it was raining. It just didn't stop raining. Yeah. And when it came to shooting there, like I photographed, like brought the, the gaffer out, Tim Fletcher, and he kind of said to myself and Alan, he was like... I don't know how I'm going to get a generator out there, guys. And right. I was like, okay, well, this is late for this kind of conversation. And uh, so he, like, think created some sort of flotation device for this generator to wow. kind of get it across there. And 
But there were days where people were like, Jess, you probably just shouldn't come down near the location today because you might have a heart attack. Like, right. it's photographs of the location manager in a curl with a portaloo and stuff. Okay. So I think that was kind of practically the biggest challenge. And um, there were a lot of kind of local politics as well because, you know, why are you shooting in his house and not my house? And okay, yeah. We were welcome. Um, you know, there's a very kind of lovely sense of community around a lot of where we stayed and, and the people we interacted with and it was lovely but then there were also like in any um, community there was there was the opposite sort of end of that where nobody wants a film crew. You know when they actually yeah. experience having the film crew there it's very difficult to kind of say it's a very nice experience yeah. where you know your yeah. life's not interrupted at all and yeah, yeah. so that was quite stressful as well but we got through it. We did three weeks, two weeks shooting in the West um a week in Dublin, and then we went to Montreal and, okay. and shot uh, in Montreal for Seattle and New York. Okay. So that's how that co-production structure worked. Yeah, so, yeah, and was there kind of, did the production company in Canada, did they kind of set a lot of that up for you? Like, was yeah, we went over in the January, and... Um, they, you know, we did, I think the first thing you do, and we, we're doing it at the moment, we have an Italian co-production coming over, and the first thing you have to do is make sure that it's going to work. Yeah. So it's great to say, yeah, if we co-produce together that I can bring X amount to the finance plan, but if your director's not going to be happy with your locations, then what's the point? Yeah. So we went over, we looked at all the different options, I think, got a taste of it, and from there Pat went, yeah, okay. We can make it work. We can make it work. Yeah. And so we met a lot of HODs and, um, yeah, and I think that the tough thing for Pat was, I think that was his only trip there. So the next time he was coming back, he had most of the, his film in the can and he was right. going to get the last, you know, and I yeah, think it yeah. must have been, a, it's been something I've thought about afterwards. It must have been incredibly difficult to kind of go from all that sort of head in the game yeah. he's been you know out on location for weeks before we shot doing prep yeah. and stuff to just get thrown into it but yeah. um, I mean I think that the finished product just speaks for itself and um, yeah I know the first trip we went on to Montreal we had a really lovely time actually we like had right. a nice yeah, yeah. Little, little holiday Rocky, for yeah. ourselves <laughs> yeah. but um, yeah so so that worked out quite well and, and the co-production structure was complicated it wasn't complicated. I think the most complicated part of it is, um, <laughs> well, first of all, we're getting all our contracts in French, and we're like, um, lads, uh, <laughs> right. got any English ones yeah, floating yeah. around here? <laughs> so, but no. Okay. And then, Mike, just move on to uh, Feline Films. And yes. so, kind of your, prep, the what, what your kind of plan is for that, and what, what kind of films you're hoping to make sure, with it. Sure, sure. Well, myself and Natalie, we actually met... When I was with Marcy Films, um, we were supposed to be doing a documentary um, together and it all looked very, it was very interesting, um, really like a, everybody loved the pitch, it was really great, but then sadly actually when we went to shoot the film, our subject became quite ill and, and okay. we kind of said, okay, look, we have to look at this again another time. Okay. And um, But we really... We really hit it off. We became very good friends and we'd constantly stay in touch. Um, kind of, you know, in this industry you need you need that therapy friend that you're gonna call and be like, This is happening and, yeah, and yeah. you just it's it's really it was a really comforting relationship from that point. And we began actually in, in Marcy um developing a, a a feature film of Natalie's that didn't work out, but 
one thing was we just always knew we wanted to work on something together. Yeah. And when I kind of wanted a change of scene um, and kind of to do something different with, with a slate and, and to focus on different kinds of projects, Natalie said, well, you know, I'm, I'm living here now, so okay. let's start a company together. And I was like, okay, grand, perfect, let's, okay. let's do that. Yeah. And the first project, kind of our first focus and kind of what she lured me in with was um, Wolf. Okay. Um, which she had at treatment stage and it's a really really special film and from there we're like yep yeah, okay well let's try and focus on films that kind of I guess have some angle of diversity whether it's in subject matter or in talent mm. but it's kind of it's a tricky pitch because when we went to um, I think Berlin was the first time we pitched the project the project's not a tricky pitch at all actually it pitches really really well but yeah. We were, I think, maybe the sixth or seventh group to get up a team to, to pitch at yeah. the event. And every single um, company was, we're really focused on diversity. And we're, and you, know, you right. kind of go, okay, let's not say that <laughs> okay, actually. Because yeah, yeah. genuinely our our focus is to, to kind of make the films that maybe seem a little bit challenging sometimes to other, to, to kind of take a different look at things. You know, yeah. somebody has a particularly challenging film, but we really believe in it would do whatever we can to make that happen yeah. in a very, I could realise it in a very practical way, but also really focusing on the creative and, and, and the journey um, hand. So, yeah, I mean, our slate's quite varied at the moment. We've got, let me think, three feature films in sort of active development, uh, two female directors, one male director. We don't, people just assume we hate all men because of the name of our company. <laughs> so literally every time you'd hand your business card to a man at a festival, he'd roll his eyes and you'd be like, really? you know what, just give me that back there, will you? Yeah. No, it, it, it's, I think there's a lot of, you know, the whole Me Too movement and stuff, I think people feel maybe it's a little bit in their face, this whole kind of female yeah. film power. Or which people are looking for a fighter. So yeah, yeah, exactly. But we obviously just love it and it's a fantastic <laughs> time for us to be making films. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so kind of we're very much focused on what we like and kind of what we feel we can be really passionate about and really commit ourselves to because if it's just something that kind of logically makes sense from a commercial point of view then you're kind of you're thrown in the towel a bit early I think because yeah. you're kind of going I totally understand that you need to you know, yeah. you need to you need to pay the bills you need to do yeah. this you need to do that we're lucky enough that we're a young enough company that right now what we want to do is just make really yeah. cool films that we're yeah. passionate about so we've just finished actually post on a documentary called I Was Here which is directed by um, Natalie and a Polish director called Ola Jankowska yeah. and that's been quite a journey as well actually it's quite an interesting one um, it's just a, it's, it's, it's a documentary about a documentary really it's yeah. um, casting spaces for subjects to pitch themselves as a good documentary yeah, yeah, character yeah. Um, so Natalie and Ola kind of went all around the UK interviewing different people auditioning yeah. different people and our film was comprised of those auditions so and, and was it they just was there ever a film was there ever an actual documentary no no, no. so <laughs> it's it's you know, it wasn't that anyone was lowered in kind of in this false yeah. sense of security that this was very much like before they even sat down in the chair, be like, look, a huge part of the film yeah. is going to be this process, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, you know, you need to be yeah. very comfortable with whatever you say is going to yeah, be yeah. in the final um, film. And that was the intention. And then as as 
these things always kind of change as the film develops, yeah. that it became so interesting to just have this very, I guess, the arc was so within yeah. each character, kind yeah, of brought yeah. something different, yeah. and that kind of sparse casting space yeah. was so irrelevant to what people are actually saying, but yeah, just to yeah. see how somebody is so vulnerable in that yeah, space, yeah, it's, yeah. it was really kind of really, really interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting because I watched this uh, this week and I think as a filmmaker, I definitely saw something mm. maybe that other viewers don't see, but it does kind of turn the lens back on you as a filmmaker mm-hmm. and kind of just the ethics of uh, subjects and it just really got me thinking yeah. about subjects and documentaries and, and things like that. But uh Amazing characters. I mean, was it difficult for them to kind of settle? Like, did they interview a lot of people and narrow it down to about 10 people in it? Yeah, I think there's, yeah, actually, that's a, I think there's 12 total. But right. yeah, there's, um, yeah, they have, I don't even want to think about how many <laughs> hours of footage that's there. Yeah. But this was kind of a process over a number of months, right. you know. So it was, they go to different kind of very rural um, areas and most of these interviews are two or three hours long. Right. So you kind of, you're sitting there wondering, and it's it's one of those questions, I'm, I'm very interested to see when it does do its festival run, yeah. what the audience reaction mm. is, because you're mm. sitting there kind of going like, how did they get that man to, to stand up and start reenacting such a personal part of his life? Yeah. But it is actually that they did just develop that sort of like, you're sitting in a room with somebody yeah. for three hours, yeah, you yeah. just become a lot more comfortable. And, um. I mean, you kind of, what I love about the film is you sit there and at the beginning you're going like, oh, actually, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this as an audience member. I don't know. Am I supposed to laugh at this character, with this character? But what I just adore about the film is by the time you actually reach the very end, you're like, okay, I I, I get it. I'm these individuals have more of a philosophical view on the world and yeah. life and existence yeah. than you know, any of us filmmakers yeah, have ever done. Yeah, yeah. And I just, um, there's so many different, and, and everybody takes different things from different characters. That's actually probably my favourite aspect of I Was Here is that between the, um, you know, the editor, the sound designer, colourist, every single person that's watched this film has a different favourite character. Right. You know, yeah, and that yeah, person yeah. that you just like have this and then soft spot for, and you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah. your heart breaks for them, you laugh for them, you cry for yeah, them. Yeah. So, yeah, we're excited about the uh, cool. future of it. And because it's, it's quite, I suppose, experimental, mm-hmm. um, have you kind of kind of catered to, to that kind of festival plan? or how, how So, the work? film actually came about through CPH uh, Lab, which is a program of CPH Docs. Festival, okay. okay. Um, whereby filmmakers are given this grant money to make a film, and yeah. it, it's it's very filmmaker focused. As in, you can sort of do, you know, the, the, there's not too many parameters in, in right. what you can do, and there's no there's no length requirement. So initially, this was going to be a short film, um, and then all I teamed up with Natalie on it, and they said, "Okay, oh, this could be a feature film," and they started the process. So I actually came in after the film was in the can, yeah, and. I think the freedom of that allowed the guys to just be like, well, what interests us? And right. what what way do we want to see a film like this being made? And I mean, it's it's challenging. It's going to challenge audiences in different ways. And people are going to have strong opinions about it in, in very different ways, like from a political point of view. And um, But I think that gave Natalie and Ola freedom to 
to really make the film that they wanted to make. And the great thing about the the lab is it gives you your your you can showcase at your premiere CPH docs. So when you're making a film but knowing you have a guaranteed premiere, that's incredible. Yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. don't have to but also they're quite they're quite flexible in that we can go to any festival well, within you know, they'd obviously want it to be more a bigger festival than say them for another festival to get the premiere, if yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So cool. that's been quite interesting. Uh very exciting year. I just want to go back to Wolf and just if you tell us yeah. about the so the competition that you won. Um, tell us a bit about the project and then just tell us kind of your approach to the pitch and what, what do you think kind of what do you think it was that hit home with the judges? Okay, yeah, sure. So the um well, so it's actually if I'm really honest, our when we first started the company we're s so, we still are, but you know, you're so broke and you're like, How do we get to these festivals? How do we yeah. actually get to meet people? Because we both knew from experience that that's how you know films get made you yeah. have to get yourself out there we yeah. wanted the company to be quite present and we didn't you know we really wanted people to um not think that there was any going to be any break period with our presence in the industry so we um decided we'd look at different kind of competitions <laughs> basically who would fund us to get to these festivals right. how would we be able to afford to go so um we went to berlin and we pitched at a small festival called jets First of all, we're really, really lucky to be accepted because it's not like you can just go, yeah, I want to go and pitch here. It's it's a matter of actually applying and, and uh, you're invited. So we went to Jets and kind of we sat in the room. I was going, oh, God, we actually have to stand up and pitch now. I'm yeah. terrified. Yeah. And it went really, really well. It was a nice small space to start off with. And it was really, um, it was it was quite intimate. You've got, um, I think, let me think now. Ireland, Germany, Canada and the UK all kind of have a number of projects that are pitching in, in competition. So okay. we, we won Best Irish Project out of, I think, five projects that okay. were there. But I guess the most useful part of the whole, uh, it's, it's, it's a two, two days and you have these roundtable sessions. So you actually sit and you interact with people on these projects. Great way to find co-producers. They had really amazing uh, sales agents there as well. You got direct contact with them. And we were really lucky that then we had leaving Jets, we had a prize under our arm and um, something to move on to the next stage yeah. with. So we applied to Sofia, um, Bulgaria, and into the international meetings. It's a pitching competition. And that was more, again, it was just a different level. It's just a bit yeah. bigger. It's open to the public. You know, you've yeah. kind of got maybe 150 people looking back at you yeah. and you're kind of going, okay, this is... So our approach to the pitch was always something... I'm very lucky uh, having a partner like Natalie because she's very experienced in... She's done a number of different um, pitching labs and writing labs. Okay. And I've actually done the Rotterdam Producers Lab okay. in Rotterdam Film Festival. So that was, I think, it stood to me actually so much. It was really, really fantastic because you get you get different, like a whole day of it's dedicating to pitching and how you pitch and what's important. Because I know we all do kind of exercises in, say, film school or, you know, you can watch YouTube videos and stuff. But I think every person that, like, I've I've been to a couple of different talks on pitching and... As I said, Rotterdam was a big part of that. But every person that mentors you in this will tell you, like, there's very few pitches that people remember. It's really, really tricky to stand yeah, out. Yeah. But it is really important to hit the hit the um, 
the key the key parts which yeah. are would you believe the name of the film is something <laughs> that when you practice you're kind yeah. of like oh my god I didn't mention the name of the film yeah. I mean, and, and selling yourself as well as a film package because sometimes you know especially if you're pitching for co-producers it may be the idea that oh actually these sound like a really cool company and our country has a treaty with their country so we should try and co-produce that project because it sounds good yeah. it may not always be that people are absolutely blown away by your by your uh, actual project because it's really difficult to have a, a narrative that stands out from yeah. the rest. Uh, with Wolf, though, it seemed to be something people were really taken by. So our, our straightforward structure is I introduce us um, and I introduce Natalie and I give that kind of like very clinical intro, um, yeah. our bios and whatnot and try and try and crack a joke is there a time limit normally about uh with sophia it was a 10 minute pitch okay so we did i'm trying i think it was three i had three minutes then natalie had five minutes and i finished off with two minutes okay so uh, then the idea of the actual pitching the story is that you're giving people a really good flavor of your um of your film, of your script. And I know, you know, think about screenwriting and if you write a synopsis, you need, you know, three paragraphs that really outline the film that's yeah. intriguing and, not, you know, it's, it's, it's a really tricky thing to do and I think pitching falls under that as well because you have to give your synopsis as opposed to your treatment because you're telling the story but you also need to get across how you're going to tell the story. So it's not like you're reading from a book. You're giving the synopsis and the style and also you have to be animated and passionate about what you're saying to, to yeah. grab the attention of an audience who have sat through like four of these pitches that yeah. morning in a stuffy room and a lot of the time which is actually a really really important factor that I don't think I thought about until I was sitting in um, Sofia more than Berlin that most people in that room English was not their first language okay so you think about particularly the Irish particularly me speak yeah. so quickly yeah. and like use a lot of slang and throw in jokes that we think absolutely gas but if yeah, you're yeah, kind of yeah. in a room of you know a lot of eastern europeans and they're kind of looking at you like you've 10 heads so yeah, you yeah. need to be very very clear um speak slowly clearly make sure you get the core of your film across and then we would finish up with um a kind of an overview so then natalie would give the pitch which is a boy who believes he's a wolf trapped in a human body and he is sent to a clinic for um, people with this condition which is called species dysphoria and is actually a real growing phenomenon. So the whole film takes place in this clinic whereby the patients undergo different um, repressive therapies. Yeah. There's a humiliation therapist is, is um, one of our characters and he basically pushes the... They're mostly adolescents to behave like the animal they say they are until they kind of break and say, okay. I'm not this. For example, the parrot's put on the roof and told to fly. Okay. And then she, she says, okay, I'm not a parrot, I'm just a girl. Um, so... When Natalie's finished her, her five-minute pitch, then I would come in and say, so, you know, Wolf is a film about identity and institutionalisation. Um, it's... Maybe talk about comparables a little bit. Yeah. So while we were pitching, I think the line was, 
you take the plot of the lobster and marry it with the world of Raw, you okay. have Wolf, and at the time it was yet to be seen by a lot of us here, but the miseducation of Cameron Post. Okay. And the really important thing then is to finish off with um, what you have in place and what you need to make the film. Okay. So, yeah, it's quite a, it's quite a straightforward structure in terms of the the blueprint of what you have to do in a pitch um at the end of the day like we could have you know i could have stood up and stumbled on every single one of my words and made us both seem really incompetent but if your project is really going to blow people away it's really going to blow people away i think what natalie has with wolf just really blows people away (laughs) so we're we're really really lucky that's brilliant Uh, so you won a kind of a development fund well it wasn't it wasn't a development fund Sadly, but great. Um, it it was so. It's a almost like a voucher. It's it's fifty thousand euro worth of production services from a studio called New Boyana okay. Film Studio in Bulgaria. Okay. Um, and New Boyana are a company. They're like a Millennium Studios company. So they're like actually a big. They do actually quite commercial stuff. So okay. we got a tour of the studio. It's pretty incredible, actually. Like their soundstage was like being in like screen one in the Savoy you know really? huge yeah. yeah because I guess it's a lot easier for them to have that infrastructure there it's not as expensive yeah but they filmed like um they were filming the hitman's bodyguard's oh, okay. wife or something oh, or right. like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it was great I mean they were so lovely to us but I think it was it was very difficult to get across it it was very much like a heightened genre you know it is art house yeah. whether we want to say it or not yeah. and it was like but we have loads of wolves, though. So guys, did you actually read the treatment? Because we don't have any. Yeah. But no, it's really, really great. And we are actually hoping to to shoot an Eastern European country just to have a very different landscape. Um, I think because this clinic is so niche. It's like, where yeah. where are you in the world? You don't okay. really know. You don't yeah. want to give that away. Yeah. Cool. Um, but that congrats. That's, that sounds like a, an amazing experience. Um, is there any advice that... Uh, you wish you learned sooner. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> that could get tricky. Um, I think that the best advice I wish I'd known, and I think that maybe my kind of taking myself too seriously and really pushing myself too much um, when I was a little bit younger probably stood to me in a way because mm. I got I got where I wanted to be quite quickly. Mm. But when I think about the like implications it has on your you know your social life and your mental health and stuff. At the end of the day, like what we do in this industry is really tough. It's yeah. a really tough industry. Producing films is is ridiculous. Like it's a really ridiculous <laughs> thing to do when you think about it. You're taking really high risks. Yeah. Um, but you're doing it because you love it and you put the work, the really hard work in. But you need to remember that we're making films and we're not saving lives. Yeah. And, you know, you need to take that into consideration with everything, you know. Are people treating you appropriately? You know, should you, you shouldn't have to put up with anything because you're in the film industry and it's really, there's a lot of that goes on, yeah. you know. You're very lucky to be working in this industry. It's like, well, actually, we all work really hard, yeah. so we're not that lucky. Yeah. We just work hard and we do what we like to do. Yeah. So I would say continue to work hard. Um, don't take everything too seriously because at the end of the day, it's just a film. And it may be your baby and your passion project for that many years, but it's not worth your sanity. Yeah, I say that now. Talk to me in like six <laughs> months when we're in production, and I'll be you know bald and about <laughs> ten years off my life. But uh, yeah, that's great. Thanks very much. Thank you so much. 